Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Before we kick off this week's episode, as a reminder, we have a Discord community now where we are discussing the episodes as they come out weekly. And we're also discussing past episodes with our subscribers. To join, visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. Subscribe for five bucks a month and you're in. So this week, we are going to build on last week's episode and the one from two weeks ago where I really shared big, powerful shifts that happened because of my learning based on my own lived experience. We're going to zoom out a little bit and talk about lived experience in more general terms. This is kind of the work Cam and I do every day. And what we do on this podcast is we help our clients and our listeners examine and learn from their own lived experiences. But there's a dilemma here that had Cam's attention as we were diving deep into my lived experience that he really wants to explore. So Cam, I'm going to kick it over to you. What's the dilemma? What are we talking about today? Thanks, Shelley. And by the way, just a comment on the Discord community is that uh, we've opened up a few channels there with, with some themes, and I'm just absolutely loving it because folks are asking questions and challenging that, again, the Mount Rainier lunch counter model, folks are challenging there. And it's really good. It's, they're making me work. They are. I noticed <laughs> They're that. making me work for that five bucks. <laughs> it's good. No, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's generating a lot of questions and thoughts here on, on, on our side. Absolutely. Um, which is great. This is what we wanted to do with it. As we talked over the last couple of weeks, because we did the Galaxy Brain, then we did Big C Coaching, and then we had the conversation about your relationship last week. And we talked about these aha moments where it clicked for you. And I just was, I was having my own kind of big brain moment there, kind of considering that. And I just came back to the way that we think, the way that we think, and, and this sort of, this whole idea of what it is to be neurodiverse. And, and I really think about, we think in a divergent way. If you were to imagine like an oak tree, that often will take sort of a, a singular thought and then move rapidly up and out, out the branches, all these different and considering all these different possibilities. And so for you, you create your constellation that way and then grapple with that constellation or the, that sort of cluster of all these different things. And you kept rotating and turning it and turning it and working it and click. Certain things became you became aware certain truths for you. You got clear on values around growth and how emotions come into your language and communication. And that created points of uh, nodes of change, right? It's sort of like you're building springboards to launch from. And as you're doing that, I mean, I kind of, I view the world in postcards, right? I'm building pictures and metaphors. And just see that, again, there's this divergent thinker or divergent thinking going on. And had me consider, well, what is that? Because we talk about it. We talk about the associative processor. We talk about being wired for context. I just wanted to dig in more here of what that is and to share some examples of that. 
and how it can be more of a challenge at times, but what to do about that and how to move forward. Absolutely. And I think that addressing how it can be a challenge is really important because we touched on it over those three episodes. But it's really important to say that I was able to come to these conclusions and take this learning because I have been doing this work since 2013. I have really been doing my work to understand myself and my lived experience and to understand who I am. And that timeline is different for everyone. And on top of that, I know that I'm not done. I tell my clients that the first time they step into that more powerful version of themselves, that first big shift where ownership happens and they start to embrace success and struggle as things that can go together. They start to embrace their brain as neurodiverse rather than broken or one down. Tell them that this is amazing and remember this feeling because you're going to struggle again. You're not going to stay here in this powerful place forever. And I'm not either. But the reason I was able to get there is because I've been doing my work and I know how to take that constellation or those branches and work with them rather than get overwhelmed by them. And that's, again, the work that we do with our clients is helping them learn how to do that. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here on the show as well. It's It's a little clumsier because to borrow Cam's metaphor, coaching is like a dance. And when we're with a client, we can see and hear and touch and sense our dance partner. <laughs> but here on the show, listener, we can't, listener? We, can't, <laughs> listener? <laughs> we can't see you or sense you or touch you or feel you. So right. we are leading a little blindly. It's based on feedback, working as well or better than we could have hoped. But the goal here is not to have you learn from our lived experience in a way that says, oh, that's my lived experience too. The goal here is to get you diving into your own lived experience and to do it in a way that is informative and useful. So there's a misconception about lived experience that I want to dig right into right here. And I think that those of us who are in the business of helping people with ADHD actually kind of generate this. It's this sort of one or two dimensional picture of ADD. And I've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning it again, is those level one symptoms really present kind of um, as a frozen picture, very static. And it just kind of is, I'm overwhelmed. I procrastinate. I struggle with perfection. I have a hard time getting going in the morning. It's sort of like these kind of one-off things that we look at individually but don't really consider how they all work together. And often when clients come to coaching, they will often sort of present in these one or two dimensional pictures of their ADD experience of, I'm so overwhelmed, can you help me? And it's kind of like, again, they're out, way out, overwhelmed with all these choices and decisions out on those branches and not sure how they got there. But here they are, and that's where they are. And that's their experience. And I want to say, and we want to say to you is, don't be afraid to dig in because it's actually a very rich tapestry. It's three-dimensional with texture and color. And it's very dynamic. This whole thing about, again, just perfectionism is sort of like this 
frozen thing of like, well, I, I just kind of see things a certain way. That's it. It's not that at all. And I see an opportunity today to kind of dig into the tapestry of how can perfectionism, how does it really show up? Because that's another thing about ADD is you have to see the challenges in order to address them. And part of the ADD experience is not seeing or appreciating the challenge. Not seeing or appreciating the challenge or not seeing the useful part of it. Everything you named that was in 2D, which is a lot of what you'll find if you go Googling ADHD and reading about it, is behavior, is effect. It's not anywhere near cause. It is the result of the ADHD and how it's manifesting. So what we're interested in, what the show is all about, is what is at cause for procrastination, for rejection sensitivity, for inability to wake up. And I can say without a doubt, those causes are very different from individual to individual. It seems like they ought to be the same. Cam has ADHD. I have ADHD. Listeners, you have ADHD. So wouldn't that cause picture look the same for all of us? Nope. No way. Manifestation matters and manifestation is incredibly complex. And the best way to understand manifestation is to dig into your own lived experience so that you can start to understand your unique brain and how it is showing up and harming or helping in various situations. That's the point in which we can get to change. That's the point in which we can say, well, instead of don't procrastinate anymore, well, okay, this is why I procrastinate. This is what's happening for me around this particular task when I procrastinate. And now I know enough to be able to design thoughtful actions to work with this challenge instead of willing it to go away. Well said. I want to use an example here to illustrate what we're talking about. I'm thinking about a client who really struggles with overwhelm. Just a, just a crushing overwhelm with a mix of, of emotion around shame and guilt. And it's so much so that it inhibits their ability to get out of bed. They're running a company. Their entrepreneur is running a company. And here they are. This is their experience. So from their experience, it's what's wrong with me? Why am I so overwhelmed? But again, you're in this overwhelmed state. So where you are in that on that tree is you're out at the edges, out at the end of the the leaf tips. Think of a giant oak with all those leaves, all those choices, all those decisions. Now, what the client is not appreciating is this process of getting to that place, of starting with, say, one thing or one idea, and how the brain, the ADHD brain, will take a concept or an idea or an emotion and multiply to have this sort of exponential experience where we rapidly go out and up to many different possibilities. And so that gets lost in all of this presentation of just the the sense of rejection, shame, self-loathing, and overwhelm. And where to begin, right? It's self-fulfilling because in that overwhelm state, the prefrontal cortex shuts down and you can't make a choice to take the first step. But 
in her mind, she's telling herself, well, I have a problem with perfection and I'm overwhelmed. And that's about it. And oh, and who am I to try to make the change I'm trying to create in the world? So that's going on. When you kind of come back and dig into the actual, like how that divergent thinker or that divergent thinking is contributing, it's this kind of notion of one to infinity. Up above manifestation and causation, it's that idea generator like I have, and I've talked about, to take one idea and then proliferate very quickly. It's like rabbits. And rabbits, the population of a rabbit, you've seen that all in seventh grade biology, where this population just explodes. Well, we explode with it, and we consider all those different options equally because prioritizing is challenging. But with this particular client, with all those options, guess what is right on the tail of that? It's expectation. Right on the tail of all those different ideas proliferating outward is this expectation proliferating. Expectation goes out exponentially to, in the sense of, I have to do all of this. Even before we've gotten to commitment, we've generated a list and this suffocating expectation that we have to do it all. Does that sound static? Does that sound like a, like a landscape portrait that stayed and, you know, less is there? Because that's my beef, Shelley, is that from the outside, it's like, well, it's a deficit, it's a disorder, it's slower processing speed, it's less. There's not a lot of activity. You look at the brain scans, not a lot of activity, not a lot going on there. When in fact, it's a tempest, right? It is, you're fighting all these different dynamics because what is ADD at its core It's around regulation and management of these key executive functions. The on-off switches, the pivots that has us kind of go out and all of a sudden, that's where you are in your lived experiences out there at the end at manifestation when in fact we come back and realize, what? how how do we generate this? How did this happen? Oh, I'm getting passionate now. I'm getting passionate, Shelly. Sorry. (laughs) Don't apologize. I love your sound effects. And one of these days, I am going to be a better Monday morning person and show up not looking like hot garbage so that we can release some video clips from these episodes because people are missing out on the faces and the gestures that go along with either the passion or the sound effects, and they're just wonderful. You you guys are really missing out, and I promise you someday I will show up looking okay enough that I would be okay to release some video clips because it's, it's really good stuff. So I just want to take a moment to sort of nutshell the point that Cam is trying to make here, and that is we really do harm to ourselves when we just sort of believe that something is. So the example of perfectionism, this is something that a lot of our clients have on board in one way or another. If you just believe, well, I'm a perfectionist and that's the way it is, there's no opening for change there. You are saying this is a fact, this is static, this is true. Well, what that really is, and this is a term we use in coaching, is a limiting belief. You are literally 
limiting your ability to change by holding that belief as a universal truth. So Cam proposes an alternate perspective and one that we work with our clients on every day. And that is that it's not static. There's more there than meets the eye. There's more to perfectionism than just, I am a perfectionist. As coaches, that's where we dig in. That's where we look to create a change in belief or a change in perspective. Because once we've done that, we can really start to do the work of, okay, now I understand what's behind my perfectionism, what is manifesting there for myself. And now we can start to see a landscape of potential options to work with this, to work with what I know about myself. So it's a matter of uh, mindset, looking at perspectives, and then what is really going on in the brain. Because our snapshot of what we think is going on in the brain is not accurate when we first meet it, if we're out again at our experience, at how it manifests in the world, the way we feel in this moment. And so we're looking at cause and effect. We've said this time and time again is that ADHD thrusts us into effect. We're in the wave pool and we're not aware of what is generating the waves and yet the waves are crashing over us and we're just trying to stay afloat. But if we can just, again, find that pool noodle, get a little rest and be curious about those waves and where they're generating from. The system is much more dynamic than you give it credit. And it's likely that you've got some kind of divergent thinking that is not necessarily helping you in this moment. And the thing, I think the opportunity is to notice that divergent thinker, to notice that traveling up the core of that oak tree and then starting to split off, split off, split off. I've got a couple of examples, but I I see you're 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 giving me a nod. Would you like to say, interject something before I share a couple more examples? I would briefly, because you said something really important there that I don't want to step over. And that is... That that initial picture of our experience is often, if not always, really inaccurate. That is something that always surprises my new clients the first time that they realize what they thought was true. That sort of static picture, what they believed about themselves, is kind of bullcrap. And that is being in the limbic system, being in the emotional brain painting this static picture of self and holding the belief that it's true because we've painted similar pictures our entire lives. So it's a very different way of thinking about the self to start to attempt to step out of that. And it's not easy. It's so not easy that Cam and I have both made careers out of teaching people how to do that and helping people see their lived experience differently. So I know sometimes on the show we can make things sound simple, but this is tough stuff. So it's really important to recognize that it's normal to have those limiting beliefs about self. I still have them. Cam still has them. Every one of our clients has them. The difference between 
you listener, somebody very early on in their journey here in Cam and I, is Cam and I have done years worth of work that allows us to identify that more quickly, to see when we're in a limiting belief, to see when we're holding a false perspective, to see when we're painting a picture of self that simply isn't true. And that takes practice. Coaching is a dance. To become a really good dancer takes a lot of practice. So well said, Shelly. And I wanna I wanna give a couple of examples here to start of kind of point the listener in, in, in a direction of where to begin here. I think starting with energy expenditure, like where are you expending energy? We're saying that there's a lot more going on in there than the picture you're getting. It's sort of like it's a very dynamic scene and you're getting snapshots. You're taking these still pictures of a very dynamic event. And so starting to kind of put those together and kind of consider where's the movement? Where's the activity? Chasing stimulation is a favorite pastime. Those of us with ADHD is to chase the loudest signal. So what are you chasing? What has your attention? And you sort of go along and down these different pathways. What is the actual movement that's occurring in your thinking, but also in your brain too, because that's what's happening in your brain. When I, I've shared this before, again, this my seminal moment around learning about my own failure to complete. We've talked about this. I had this big awareness that I was not finishing things. And that was kind of my first insight into this divergent style of thinking that as I considered something and moved forward with it, I considered options. I considered second options. I considered third options, fifth, 20th, 202nd, out those different branches. And it was sort of this natural way that I did thinking. I thought everybody thought that way. I didn't know, but I realized that my picture and my, you know, things became diffuse. The plow on my snowplow as I'm pushing down the roads, getting wider and wider and wider and wider. Well, we know what a snowplow, you know, with over seven lanes can't push the snow. I realized, oh, this diffuse effort, I can't complete. And as I kind of worked back and realized that in play, I saw it in different parts of my life. Years before, when I was really young, I had this wild imagination. I would just check out like mid-sentence, mid-everything, just gone. I mean, I would just go on these fanciful, magical mystery tours. And I know that that saved me. That insulated me from a lot of the hurt and pain that was out coming in. I would just check out. But that, again, is that divergent thinker. I just would just follow these pathways and just consider and, and just let it go out. and just again, become diffuse and out in the clouds. Then the next iteration of that was when I was being really challenged professionally, just trying to show up and do a job that was really hard. One of my early teaching jobs where there were no boundaries. I was just, hey, just do what you can. That to me was really hard because I couldn't distinguish boundaries. So that prolific idea generator and that divergent thinking had me considering all the disaster scenarios of 
What are they thinking of me? They must be thinking poorly of me. And again, then I'm just creating a, a, a library of Congress, of an archive of all the bad things I'm doing and how I'm showing up. And there's that inner critic in there, like just starting to, to warm up, you know, like, yep, yep, there you are reinforcing that picture. But again, it's this, the way that I was thinking, I didn't realize it. It's just very consistent. In this dynamic system, there was a pattern. And I started to see that pattern. And when I could notice that pattern, I was like, hey, wait a sec. It's not just me. It's not just me and, and what people think or what I perceive myself to be. There's something else going on here that ain't quite right. It's not working. When I started to challenge that and consider that and then dig in, I realized there was a lot more going on than I originally or initially thought. I love those examples, Cam. And you saw me over here emphatically nodding my head, especially in the second example of how our divergent brains, and in this case specifically, the fact that those of us with ADHD are wired for context, can turn against us by bringing in all of this negative context when we're taking ourselves out to the woodshed and just causing a downward spiral that ends in, I'm the worst person ever. I've had that spiral before. One little thing and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm the worst ever at everything. So then, okay, what to do? Like, we're not going to leave it here, listener. We're never going to leave it here. Because if we can do this, you can do it. If our clients can do it, you can do it. So starting to consider the way you process and how it helps and maybe how it hinders, how it gets in the way, how it creates challenge. There's more going on than you think. And sort of start there to kind of consider and notice your brain at work. What's it doing? What's it striving for? What's motivating it? This is a distinction between the mind, what you're thinking, and then the brain in the sense of the wiring. When you start to kind of consider, again, the the natural way that your brain works, we've talked about the keen observer. This is a place to bring the keen observer in to kind of just notice the way you process the world and how do you build knowledge? How do you build your thoughts? Does it proliferate and move out exponentially? Or does it converge in the sense of whittling down? How do you converge and come to a decision point? But really considering that and thinking about that, don't beat yourself up. Practice this with grace, with compassion. And give yourself a break. If you need to go in with someone else, don't do this alone if you don't feel like you can do this alone. We've said this before. Practicing a reflective practice. We don't reflect well because we're either in our limbic system or trying to access this prefrontal cortex. There's this whole area of the brain around just practicing reflection to reflect gratitude, exercise, affirmation, but to look back objectively on your day to consider your experience. What can I learn from this and apply going forward? That's the power of reflection. And that's why Shelly and I 
are able to do this and do this pretty well because we've embraced this reflective practice. Shelley was talking about that last couple of weeks of and the ability to do our own work. Great stuff, Cam. I, I love the note that you kind of ended us on today. And I'm just going to add one little thing to that. And that is, this is where curiosity comes in. Because you cannot be curious and afraid at the same time. We use the word curious over and over again, because if you can truly step into curiosity as you're reflecting, you're not going to be reflecting in that limbic system woodshed place. You're going to be reflecting from a place of learning and awareness and helpful awareness. So stay curious, listeners. That's step one, always. Until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.